So one thing I'm going to mention is that this morning is technically youth Sunday. So all of the dads up here, they're young, they're youthful. So can you guys give them a hand? But also, Megan and Caleb are our two co-leaders of our Studio 72 worship um, team. So it's just really exciting to see them lean into that leadership and their strengths and gifts and all of that good, fun stuff. The other exciting thing is, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, is one of our incoming sixth graders, Adam, is running our slides this morning. So... I'll brag on the students any day. So if you get old of it, sorry, not sorry. I will always talk about our students. Um, And we had uh, some of our students greeting and ushering. So again, it's just really awesome to see our students just integrated into the body of our church, just to see all the different generations coming together. So excited to be uh, worshiping with you this morning. So as you guys know, Carl is on sabbatical. And we are starting a new sermon series because we just ended a sermon series titled that'll leave a mark well our new sermon series is titled that'll leave a mark but god's character real original right and so we're going to shift our focus over these next seven weeks on examining who is god what are the different character traits of god And as we explored over these last seven weeks, Carl talked about character and how it means to leave a mark, to leave an impression or an engraving. And so character formation is the process of letting God leave a mark on our life so that we can go and leave a godly mark on those around us. And so now we're going to shift our focus from personal spiritual formation to looking at the different character traits of God. Because as we seek personal character formation, we know that ultimately we're being formed into the image of God. And so it's important for us to examine who is God and how do we strive to live after him and what does that look like? And so as we continue to lead into this, The question that's going to be guiding us throughout this summer is, who is the God that forms our character? Who is he? And so this morning, the character trait that I want to explore is hesed, which it's a really fun word to say, because in Hebrew, it's called a guttural, and you say it from like the back of your throat, And when you say it, usually, like, some spit comes out. I don't know. It's just, like, this harsh, harsh word. So if you guys will, just say this with me. Just practice this nice, harsh word. Ready? Chesed. Perfect. You guys are pros. So if you want to sound really important, just walk around and say that. Be like, yes, I know this Hebrew word. Okay? So chesed. It's a term that many of us might not have heard of but we're actually pretty familiar with it, but we might not be aware of how familiar we are with it because it's really hard to translate into English. And I would even argue to say that there's not just one word for hesed. And so we have to ask this question, what is hesed? 
What is it? And who is the God that forms our character? We're going to look this morning to see that God is chesed. Well, like I said, there's no true translation of this word from Hebrew into English. There are 169 different ways to interpret this word, which, you know, after I was reading about this and learned about this in seminary, I was like, really? I picked this word? There's like no true translation of this? Good luck. Okay. But it's really important because it's used 250 times in the Old Testament. It's pretty significant. And so here is a simple, abbreviated list. Obviously, these are not all 250 ways to interpret this word. But the ones that are highlighted are the eight core words that chesed normally draws itself to. So you see covenant, faithfulness, mercy, truth, righteousness, justice, favor, goodness. So again, can we really say that chesed is just love? Can we say that chesed is just one of these things? No, because we see that it's actually a cluster of ideas. It's all of these things rolled into one word, making it complicated, but making it so rich and so important for us to understand who God is. And so one, one definition that I want to provide for you is this. You gotta click one. There you go. It's God's loving kindness expressed in his covenant relationship with Israel. Another one simply means loyal love. Simply, right? Loyal love. Real easy. And so we have these two definitions. Well, another way to express this is this way. Hesed stresses the idea of a belonging together of those involved in the relationship. The belonging together in the relationship is God with us and us with God. And it is also people, one person with another. It goes both ways. So even with those three definitions, you see that you're just like, hold on. What in the world does this mean? It seems like they're, they're connected and yet they're very different. So what is this? Well, let me break this down. And we're going to start with Exodus, chapter 34, in verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Now, this part of the story is when Moses is on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments, the tablets, and he is with the Lord. And this is significant because the idea of God coming down, it's a metaphor, because God is present everywhere. But God, he wanted to make an impression to be made on Moses, 
So this cloud, this engulfing, it blinds you. It has this sense of closeness, of nearness, of being near to Moses. And so the Lord wanted to create that with Moses, right? This cloud is a symbol of God's wonder, of God's power, of his majesty, and of his holiness. Well, as we continue on, verse 6, we're going to read something really remarkable. And it's unique because the name of God is mentioned twice, without a comma, without an interruption. We see that the Lord is talking about himself and about his character. This is actually the first time that the Lord does this, is he talks about who he is. And so we read this. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That last word, faithfulness, chesed. Not all of our interpretations are going to say that, but it's chesed. And this is probably the only place that in the Bible that this occurs where it says the Lord, the Lord. This is significant because God explains who he is and his character to Moses. It's this personal interaction where he's looking at Moses and he is saying, Moses, this is who I am. I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in love. And I am full of chesed. He wants Moses to know that, that he is a God of hesed, of loyal love. Now, I don't know if you can imagine God having a Facebook page. You know, as you think about this, you're like, oh, what would his picture be? There's a lot of interpretations out there. I don't know. And if you asked a friend God and see his about section, you would see hesed. And that's what you want him to see, right? There's a lot of different other things that he would list out there. But the one thing that he really, really wants us to know and to understand is that he is Hesed. And so that's going to be his about blurb on his Facebook page, because that's important. And while I wish we had time to talk through all 250 ways Hesed is used and interpreted... I don't think you guys want to be here for hours on end, right? So I want to look at three occurrences in Scripture, starting with the story of Ruth. Now, the story of Ruth is a story of hesed. It's only used three times in this story. However, her story is hesed. So I'd encourage you to go and read the story of Ruth after today with this new lens of what hesed is and how it describes who God is. Right, we see how Ruth shows unwavering covenant loyalty and love to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She remains with her mother-in-law when they return to Bethlehem And then by seeking to marry Boaz to carry on the line of Naomi's deceased husband, 
this covenant loyalty, this hesed that Ruth shows and displays. Right? He has not stopped. We read in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And this is so significant. And again, we, we see that Naomi is talking about this covenant love, this loyalness. And then later in the story, we read when Boaz speaks to Ruth. And he says, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Chesed. Right, Boaz showed Hesed by caring more about Naomi's husband's name and line than his own. By marrying Ruth to give him an heir. And Naomi testified to the Hesed of the Lord, recognizing the hidden hand of divine providence. And the result because of all of this, because of this covenant loyalty, the, lo- the royal line of King David, the greatest ruler in ancient Israel and the model for, Israel, for the Messiah. Because of this covenant loyalty, we see this. Another incidence that we see Hesed is in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, which I'm sure we're all pretty familiar with, Micah, this verse. It reads, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Love mercy is Hesed. Right? It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's staring us right in the face, and we probably didn't know it. But this is really important. The word mercy is a translation of the Hebrew word chesed. God commands his people, he commands us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. And in human relationships, hesed implies loving our neighbor, not merely in terms of warm, emotional feelings, but in acts of love and service to those around us. And not always to the people we like. It's normally to the people that God puts in front of us that we're like, oh, I don't know if I can love this person. Oh, I don't know if I can serve this person. God commands it. Right? Hesed involves active concern for the well-being of all people. Not just the ones we want to love, but for the poor, for the vulnerable, for our enemies, for all of the individuals that God places in front of us. And furthermore, The hesed used by Micah doesn't just mean any kind of goodness, any kind of kindness or mercy. 
Its meaning has so much more depth and so much more meaning to it. God isn't telling us to be kind. God is telling us to love kindness. Do you catch that? We aren't called to just be kind. We're called to love it. We're called to love kindness, which do we love being kind all the time? I don't think so. Does our culture love kindness? I don't think so, unfortunately. Right? God isn't just telling us to go out and to do good deeds while that's okay. God is telling us to make kindness the very heart and soul of our being. Because Micah's world didn't and our world doesn't love kindness, though I wish it did. We're a very self-centered culture. Our world loves other things, and our world lives by the eye-for-an-eye rule and, oh, let me get revenge, and how can I one-up, and how can I do this? That's what our culture tells us. But both the story of Ruth and what the prophet Micah talks about is a deeper kind of kindness. Hesed goes against the grain of the world. Hesed goes against the culture of revenge. And it even goes far beyond just helping someone across the street. To love Hesed, to love kindness is so much more And it's what I want to call inconvenient kindness. Because most of us do acts of kindness all the time without even thinking about it. Opening up the door for somebody, helping somebody at the grocery store, um, letting someone into your lane of traffic, whatever those little, little things of kindness are, They make you feel good about yourself. And for a moment, you have a connection with that person because you're like, oh, I showed them kindness. Oh, I did this. When you start to think about that, that's kind of selfish. We're like, hey, I showed you kindness. Hey, I did this. Hey, I did that. But Hesed goes far beyond those kinds of acts of kindness, right? It's an inconvenient act of kindness that requires so much more effort on our part. And the story that I think of is the Good Samaritan, when I think about inconvenient kindness. Right? We see that this individual is stripped of their clothing. They're beaten and left on the side of the road. The Jewish priest comes by. What does he do? Goes to the opposite side of the street. It's not convenient for him to go and help. He just goes to the other side. And then we have another individual come, and they go to the opposite side of the road. And then finally, we have the Samaritan that comes. It might not have been convenient, but he goes to this individual, and he shows them hesed. He shows it to them. Teaches us to go above and beyond and caring for people just like we would care for ourselves. That's what I call an inconvenient act of kindness. And something that we should strive to do each day. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. We probably won't like it. It's not in our nature. It's not in our character. But it's something 
that God asks of us. One writer wrote this about Hesed. They said, when there is somebody who needs your help or mine or ours, and their life will be much worse if they don't get our help, and we have no particular reason to help them, but we do it, that is Hesed. That is to bestow Hesed. I think that's a beautiful picture, right? Is going out of our way, is being and displaying this inconvenient kindness to others. God tells us to love kindness, even if it's inconvenient. Right? Chesed, inconvenient kindness, is to reach out with genuine compassion, to love someone in desperate trouble. Chesed is to find the words to say, hey, I forgive you, I'm here for you, to a friend who betrayed you. And if we look at chesed as an inconvenient act of kindness, what it means is putting our feelings of judgment aside, putting those thoughts aside, and allowing the Spirit to lead you into an act of grace that you never could have done yourself. And that's because it's inconvenient to be a disciple of Jesus. It's inconvenient because he's always putting the wrong people in front of us. And he's telling us, hey, love them. Love them no matter what they do to you. You are called to just love them. It's hard. It's easier said than done, right? So do you think loving kindness, do you think Hesed can change the world? I'm going to tell you a secret. It already has. It already has. I seem to remember someone who continued to show kindness to others, even to the point of pure exhaustion. And I remember when he tried to go to the other side of the lake to pray and to rest and to be alone. But when he reached out with kindness, he served those who came to him still, even in his tiredness, even in the inconvenience of it. And I remember when he cried at the death of his dear friend, and yet even in his grief, he still served and he still loved with kindness. And I remember when he was in pure agony, he still showed kindness to those who had come to lead him away. And I remember the last thing he did while nailed to a cross was to reach out with kind words to offer forgiveness. I didn't deserve his kindness. You don't deserve his kindness. We don't deserve this hesed, but he gave his life for each of us. Jesus, he loved kindness. He lived out hesed, and we're called to do the same even when it is convenient because we are the church, and we're called to love kindness. So then what do all of these different examples teach us about the character of God, of his hesed? What are we supposed to do with this? Are we supposed to just say, well, hesed is this weird, mysterious word, and I'll leave it to somebody else to try to figure out? Or should we lean into and acknowledge that we can't really define hesed, and we shouldn't feel pressured to define it? 
right? Our finite minds want to just put one word on it and say, Hesed is love. Hesed is mercy. Hesed is kindness. Pick one of those 169 interpretations and that's the word that you're going to stick with. I'd say, no, we can't do that. Because if we limit ourselves to saying hesed simply means love, mercy, kindness, we're going to lose sight of the deeper implications of hesed. We're going to lose sight of that. Hesed is a part of God's identity. We see that when he spoke to Moses. Hesed expresses God's ongoing love for his people when they have broken the covenant and is the basis for restoration, for leading, and ultimately to the promise of a new covenant. Because he is a God that keeps and fulfills promises. Hesed teaches us we can't put God in a box and become so narrow-minded in our interpretation of Hesed as simply truth or justice or get any of those translations. Hesed is a cluster of ideas that gives us a deep, rich, full picture of who God is. For he is faithful, he keeps his promises, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's kind, he's full of grace and truth. Hesed reveals that we're objects of God's loyal love, his covenant love. Hesed reaches out. It's unconditional. It replaces fear with assurance. It creates a new identity. Hesed is something that gives to us, not the other way around. Jesus did justice by loving Hesed. He gave of himself so that we might be conquered by the kindness of God, a kindness that leads us to repentance. Hesed shows that God's character is beyond what we could ever fully express in human words. And so we're going to, now it's, it's our time as, you know, it's your move. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with this? Well, I asked the question that I asked at the very beginning of this. Who is the God that forms our character? Who is he? He is a God full of hesed, a mysterious loving kindness that goes beyond what we can understand. And as hard as that is to just let that mystery be there, we have to let that, that unsettled, that tension be there. God wants to be known by hesed. That is what God said, full of grace and truth. That's what he desires to be known as. And that's what he desires for us to be known as, individuals that are full of grace and truth. David, in one of his psalms, wrote, Because your love, chesed, is better than life, my lips will glorify you. If we're honest, I'm sure there are days that we tell ourselves, What of God is better than life? Right? I'm so busy loving all the other things in front of me, we forget. We forget. But we have to pause and say, oh, what is better than life? Oh, God's hesed. That's better than life. We have to develop an instinct towards hesed. It's not going to be always appreciated. 
but it's something that we need more of in this culture and something that we need to cultivate more. And so we ask ourselves this question, how are we showing chesed to those around us? If the God that we serve is a God of chesed and we're being formed into his image, how are we showing chesed? Michael Card wrote a really great book on chesed and he said this. He said, acts of chesed extend God's image out into the world. May we seek to live chesed out on a daily basis to extend his image in this world. Because as God's disciples, we're called to strive to be more like him every day. It's a huge goal, but that's what we're asked to do. I want to be someone who is full of hesed, someone who is full of compassion and love and grace and truth and all of those things. Do you desire that? Do you want to be like that? Do you want to be formed into the image of God? What's that going to look like for you? And so as we continue over the next several weeks, let's keep this hesed word in mind as we learn more about who God is and the ways that he is going to reveal himself to us. I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to come back up. Father God, thank you for being a God of hesed. Even though we may not fully understand what that means, may we strive to be people full of grace, full of truth, full of compassion, and to display these acts of hesed so that we can be formed more into your image and into your likeness. May you surround us with your love, and thank you, Father, for being a God of Hesed. Amen.